The following episode of Geeks and Beats contains language or subject matter that may be unsuitable for children. Listener discretion is advised. So my wifey went to your wifey's place. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, the same place as yours. Oddly. And they had a a girls' night barbecue. Yeah. uh, There was one of the dude that was brought along as an adjunct and a father that was brought along later. But otherwise, it was a uh, very estrogen-heavy event. Yes. The father who was brought along was the gay father of one of the women who was present. So he was given he was given a a uh, an honorary set of ovaries, I think, is the way my wife described it. I forgot that he was gay. Yeah, that's true. You mean he didn't tell you the moment he walked in the door? There wasn't like a, no, 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 a patch no. or something he was wearing? Completely. No, no, no. Absolutely not. And then, yeah, as I understand it, one of the other women brought their boyfriend, yes. contrary to the big plan of it being a girls' night thing. Uh, yes, and she also brought her dog, which was fine, but even though the dog was male. <laughs> There's always one. I know. <laughs> All right, stand by. Here we go. Here we Live from Studio 3B, now with 1.2 billion subscribers on iTunes, Spotify, and GeoCities. This is the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest Sting. That night in Massey Hall, we'll introduce you to an author crowdsourcing stories about the iconic music venue. We'll introduce you to a $60 gadget that could save your job or your marriage. Uh, trust us on that. And the man who introduces your favorite baseball team, if you're a Toronto Blue Jays fan, he will be our studio announcer for the big live show later this month. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. I found a gadget that I think is going to save every man's life. Mm, what's that? And it's only 60 bucks. Okay, tell me about it. It is the Day Tripper Hide My Windows Laser Tripwire. you're watching on a computer screen, doesn't it? The, the way it's pitched by Gizmodo is, if you're kind of lazy at work and you don't want the boss to catch what's on your screen, uh, set up this laser tripwire, and when they go past it, it will automatically switch to either the Windows desktop or the lock screen. Oh. <laughs> and I put work distractions in quotes uh-huh. as far as the big pitch was concerned. Right, so... Oh, I'm not uh, on my Facebook page, sir. I'm actually working very hard on the Gibbons project. I think this has much greater uses at home. I know. I'm, I'm couching this in all kinds of euphemisms. <laughs> it's uh, $59.99 US on a website called Tindy.com. <laughs> no, not that. No, not Tinder.com. Oh, okay. Sorry. 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 Although I could see why you might make the leap, not just because of the name, but because of the context. Uh, yes, exactly. I mean, it would be very helpful in that particular context. Yes. Tindy, T-I-N-D-I-E dot com is a website where do-it-yourselfer types who have come up with a gadget or what have you, some sort of better mouse trap, 
they can sell these products on that website. And you can buy it in one of two forms, either assembled. Oh, it's like Etsy. Yes, exactly. But instead of it being for arts and crafts, it's for science and technology. What's it called again? Tindy, T-I-N-D-I-E. And uh, the the gadget is from is designed by Deku Nukem, which is of course a spoof of Duke Nukem. Yeah, <laughs> wasted. And it's called the Day Tripper. And so for about eighty bucks Canadian, I'm gonna check out this multifunction laser tripwire. It's got about a four foot range, so you wouldn't use it across a room. You'd use it across a door threshold, down a set of stairs, inside a home office. Inside a home. Well, you wouldn't. I, I, I suspect that what you would want is you wouldn't want it in the home office. You'd want it in the lead up to the home office. Oh, it's home office, right. So, yeah. So you put it at the, the beginning of the hallway kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it also, if you want, uh, it, it can come with a cable so that you get a little extra length because <laughs> it's USB based and it connects to your device. And the, the neat thing is, is that the, the reason why I got it, ostensibly, <clears throat> is... I wanted to use the 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 tripwire component because if it can uh, send a command to like a command M, mm. which is basically what it does, or a command L, I can set it up to set a any kind of command. So my thought was, if I set this up discreetly on my VR flight seat that I'm building. Oh, here we go. You know, with with you, all conversations always come back to VR in some way or another. When you sit in the seat, it, the tripwire would trip and it would boot up and light up the machine. Don't you think that'd be really cool? Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Like you wouldn't have to hit a, an on button to get it going. You just sit down and because it trips the tripwire, it automatically starts up the machine. You will Rube Goldberg anything, won't you? I most certainly will. My my wife has got the title of long-suffering for a reason. <laughs> She's I can see why. Ever wanted to be a big shot co-producer? It's just like Hollywood. Visit geeksandbeats.com to learn how you can pad your resume with an exciting show credit. We'll even send you the album cover of your episode, suitable for framing in your parents' basement. When people ask me how many people listen to this podcast, I like to give them a, a number that actually means something. And the way I describe it is we fill Massey Hall every week with this show. Yeah, that's a good way. That's a good metric. I think a lot of Canadians know Massey Hall, even if they haven't uh, spent a lot of time in it. Um, they they know that this is one of the, the city's biggest music venues for music of all genres. Except it's not going to be a music hall for the next two years. Not only are they undergoing a massive renovation that takes into consideration the hall itself, but uh, lots next door, lots down the street, uh, some interconnected... Um, passageways all the way down to the Elgin Winter Garden Theater, which is on the on Young Street, uh, way down the block. They're connecting them? They're going to connect them all, yes. That's really remarkable. I noticed that there was a, a massive amount of work being done, what looked like behind the building, as well as they took off part of the roof so that they could support the structure while they, they worked on it as well. Well, they had to do that. See, Massey Hall never had a loading dock. Anytime anybody wanted to set up gear, what they had to do is come in off the front door off Shooter Street. So there was never any way to load in from the back. Now, for the first time since 1894, they actually have a loading dock at the back. Plus, they're redoing the dressing rooms, which, uh, having been in there many times, uh, were, were pretty pretty dire. Plus, there's a condo that's going up in, a, in association with this. While they may not have had a loading dock, they always had a stage door. And one of my favorite stories is when my then-girlfriend and I went to see, at Massey Hall, Brian Ferry. 
coolest musicians going. And at the end of the, the big show, she says, uh, so, you know, let's go to the stage door and let's see if I can get this program autographed. And I'm not into that, but she's really into Brian Ferry. She's the one who introduced me to Roxy Music. Uh, and regardless as to the outcome of our then relationship, <laughs> at least I've always got that, right? So the show's over. It's cold. I think it's like a November night. We're standing out there. His limousine starts up. And that gives us the, the cue that chances are Brian Ferry's coming out. And sure enough, um, shortly after, the doors open. My girlfriend, all five foot nothing of her, is holding this program, meekly trying to not be pushy about everything while everyone else is yelling and screaming. And this massive security guard grabs her by the shoulder, pulls her to the front of the line, pulls the, the <laughs> program out of her hands, and hands it to Brian Ferry while everyone else was just being rude about it. And I'm on the other side of the limo, just watching this whole thing unfold. And as he's signing her thing, I've got this big grin on my face. And he looks up and we make eye contact. <laughs> and he gives me this look like, yeah, I got a pretty cool life, don't I? <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Hands her back the program. And she is so starstruck that not only does she completely forget she came with me, she starts walking off towards the subway stop, but also she forgot that we drove there. <laughs> introduced a band from the stage in Toronto might have been at Massey Hall and I want to say it was either New Order or the Stranglers in the late 80s would be I got a March of 87 I think is when uh, I actually stood on the stage there and introduced a band I actually sang there as part of St. Michael's Choir at the Christmas concerts every Come year. Come on. I did, yeah. I was a little choir boy. David Binks, meantime, is on a mission to collect stories for a new book about Massey Hall. Uh, according to Amber Healy at geeksandbeats.com, he points out that, you know, he loved concert halls. And when he was a teenager, going to a show was just the highlight of everything. He's been uh, living in Toronto on and off for nearly 20 years or so. And so he's decided he's writing a book titled That Night at Massey Hall. He joins us now from all places, Amsterdam. Good to have you with us. Hey, good evening. So is this a coffee table book or is this um, more of a monograph? What is oh, it? I think it's a bit of both. I think it's it's one of those books that you'll you want to sit down and read all through and and enjoy the stories. And but it's also one of those that you keep going back to and maybe reading something again that you particularly like. And uh, and we're going to have some great uh, great photos. Uh, great memorabilia to build out the stories. And so I, I'm also hoping that it'll be something that people will just uh, will enjoy having around and returning to on a regular basis. Did you get a chance to rummage through any of the archives? Uh, we didn't, no. Uh, we, this is an independent, uh, this is a passion project. You know, I've set this up um, 
to reach out to fans, to reach out to people who really love the hall and have fond memories, and uh, just people who like going to going to gigs, basically. I think we all have those favourite nights, and we like to tell those stories. And I think there's an awful lot of Canadians out there and and other visitors to Toronto who want to you know, tell those stories of uh, great nights that they've had at Massey Hall and share them. So while there is another year or so worth of renovations to go, there's no timeline for when the book will be published. This is an in-progress thing? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's in progress. We've already got some great material. Uh, we've got some stunning stories and to the people who've already contributed a massive thank you. Uh, you know, we've got some famous and unique nights that occurred at the hall, but and we, we, you know, we really want the stories from on the stage. But the great thing is, well, we've got that mixture. We've got uh, some chance love stories, real rom com material. We've got some backstage memories, you name it. And uh, and on top of that, you know, what we really want to try and capture is, you know, the the variety of stories. Uh, maybe it's a first date, maybe it's a last date, something that changed somebody's life, a funny or a sad story. Uh, we've got a Canadian Grammy Award-winning writer, Rob Bowman, who is penning the forward for us. Um, and uh, and we're making some great progress. We've got some stunning photography uh, that people have taken and contributed. And so, yeah, we're, we're well on our way. Uh, I know that there are many more great stories out there, and uh, we'll try and capture as many of them as we possibly can. So at that night at MasseyHall.ca, you're crowdsourcing fan stories. That, that's exactly it, yeah. Um, the, through the website, people can contribute stories. Uh, they can uh, send in their photographs. They can send us images of memorabilia. And then we bring all of those together and uh, and take the best and the, the greatest to think uh, to create what I think will be a real special document. And what people have to realize is that we're not just talking about a, a rock venue. We're talking about something that opened in 1894 that has hosted everything from funerals and boxing matches to some of the great classical performances that Toronto has ever seen, jazz performances, and some ultra-famous people outside the rock realm have performed there. Yeah, it's uh, it's got one very rich history, hasn't it? The classic stories about Dylan going electric there, the Neil Young live album, the greatest jazz concerts, uh, the Rush live albums, people's memories of the hip, but also, uh, you know, comedians, uh, the obviously the symphony orchestra playing there for so many years as well. It, it's got a magic history. It really has. And what's interesting to me as well is that it's not was never exactly the best venue as far as acoustics, particularly considering when it was built. The city of Toronto literally grew up around Massey Hall, and all of these beautiful uh, stained glass windows that they had on day one were glorious to see. But as the city grew up around it, they became a problem, and you could hear the sounds of the street while inside enjoying the music and they had to to board up a lot of those windows and then they're as they go through this renovation process a lot of that um, work is being undone so that we can return it to its former glory but you know right down to the fire escape that marred the face of the building at some point when the rules came in saying you needed these types of fire escapes they've torn that down and they're going to reface massey hall like it was back in the 1800s 
Yeah, I think that's the great thing. I think that the team at Massey Hall have, uh, you know, from everything that I've seen and read and uh, attended events where people have been uh, describing the new Massey Hall, from, from everything you see, I think there's a great respect for the history of the hall and to to protect, but, but also to modernise and to, to make it uh, appropriate and, and to give us new music venues that I think are fitting uh, for Massey Hall going forward so that it can still be a part of our music history. There were some repairs done in the 1950s. Uh, along the, the ceiling, uh, there is wire mesh, there was wire mesh that was installed across the entire ceiling to keep things from from pieces of plaster, which were brushed on with horsehair, uh, from falling onto the audience. So part of the restoration is to bring back the original ceiling as well as the windows. Tell us why you decided to go with this crowdsourced uh, approach where the book doesn't really have a, a time, to, a deadline to, to publish. We just haven't set a definite date date for publication really because we we started to get some great stories coming in we wanted this to be about spreading the word of that night at massey hall and giving people the opportunity to come forward with their stories we've already as i said we've we've got a great number of stories contributed but i know there are so many out there so i i'm always encouraging people to to spread the word uh, if uh, if anybody listening has a friend that's always telling them about one of those special nights, uh, like the ones that you guys told just uh, at the start of the show, which was absolutely superb, then pass the word on the project. I don't want to miss out on having people having the chance to have their story included. But obviously, once we've uh, once we've got enough great material, then we'll start to package the project up and uh, really looking forward to to sharing it with people who love Massey Hall and people who have enjoyed Massey Hall and will enjoy in the future. Can you give us one celebrity story? Oh, you know, I, this, this is like being a magician, isn't it? Uh, you're not supposed to give away your secrets yet. So okay. we, 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 we've got, you know, I said earlier, we've got a, we, I think we've got a great Springsteen story um, of, uh, of somebody who, uh, uh, I shouldn't do that, should I? I really shouldn't. Uh, okay. we, we'll wait for yeah. the book. <laughs> David, thank you so much for your time. Great, thank you both. And uh, great stories, please submit them, yeah? David Binks is an author joining us from Amsterdam. Real pleasure. Guests of Geeks and Beats stay at the luxurious Trump Hotel in downtown Toronto because when you think class, you think Trump. So are you super excited about the big live on location show at the Black Lab Brewing that we're going to be having? That is the 20, 23rd. 23rd, yes. Friday the 23rd. The doors open at 6. A little meet and greet, you and me and a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. uh, we also uh, have a big new announcement. In addition to the big live show, our in-studio announcer. A voice of God kind of person? Who? The Jays Stadium announcer, Tim Langdon. <laughs> really? Now entering the field, please welcome the flag party and honor guard from the Royal Canadian Dragoons based out of Garrison, Petawawa. How did that happen? <laughs> Wait, I got connections, my friend.
So he's going to come down with his big booming voice, 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 voice. And now, my favorite Tim Langdon story is that I took Wifey to a, a ball game once, and uh, I sent him a message saying, hey, you know that uh, broadcast game where you give me a word and I have to incorporate it into a sentence mm. live on the air? And it's just a little gag where uh, it, it helps those who are behind the scenes or those who are um, watching at home who, who know the people on TV. The little gag. So every once in a while, someone would send me a, a message saying, hey, I'm watching you. Say this word. And it would be an incredibly complex word. You have to try to figure <laughs> out how to incorporate just into casual conversation. So I asked Tim to do the same thing for the introduction of one of the Blue Jays. And he's like, okay. yeah, absolutely. No problem, man. I got gotcha. you. What's the word? And then wifey says, you know, this is really slow. The, the sun is really hot. I'm getting really tired. Can we go? And so we leave the stadium. And as we leave the stadium, he sends me a text. So did you hear it? Oh, no. And I go, oh. so maybe we should make him play the word game with the viewers at the live show. I, I, I like it. This is kind of like Albert Brooks and Broadcast News, the movie from 1987. I love that film. Okay, do you know the scene that I'm talking about? Where he's, uh, there's the big live breaking news event with the Russian MiGs and Albert Brooks is sitting at home, not the guy doing the breaking news because he's not pretty and smooth enough. And as he sits at home with his telephone connected to the producer in the control room of the Big Shot News Network, he's giving suggestions for facts, figures, and questions. Yeah, exactly. I love that line. It's it, it's one of my all-time favorite films. There's a there's a scene in it where uh, the William Hurt character does that breaking news for the very first time with this new team that he's never worked with before, and he's got Holly Hunter as his producer in his ear, and at the end of it, he comes tearing out, and she's seated in a swivel chair, and he gets down on his knees, pulls on the arms of the chair, shakes it, and says, it was like great sex. <laughs> and he's, you in my head. And he's right. Because I've been um, in a live breaking news scenario where I've got a producer in my ear and I've got the event in the other ear and all this stuff going on. And if you've got a good producer, if you've got a good director, everybody can just feed off each other. They, uh, I, have, I worked with a, a director for a decade who knew what I wanted just by a look into a camera. And same thing with the producer. I, my producer, she was my work wife for, for a decade or so. And so I, I know that sensation of just where everything clicks and everyone's working with each other so smoothly. I'll tell you what, it's, it's okay, this is a bit esoteric because not everybody's into broadcasting, but it's like uh, playing sports and you've got some teammate who knows exactly all your moves and you know all, all his moves 
and just with a look or you just know what's going to happen based on this connection that you have. We want to say thank you to Tim for joining us on Friday, August 23rd at the Black Lab Brewing in Leslieville, Toronto. If you go to geeksandbeats.com slash live, we've got all the details there, as well as why we're having the live show in the first place, which is as a fundraiser to get us to the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. That is coming up in January. It is going to cost a fair amount of money because we want to do it right, and uh, we don't have it. So we're relying on the kindness of strangers to make this possible. All right. And we figure it'll cost 10 grand to send you, me, and a no, producer. No, you figure it'll cost 10 well, grand. Well, that is if we want to do it right. Like, if, if you if you don't mind sleeping off the strip in a, in a motel, as opposed to on the strip in a hotel. No. In one of those those hotels that come with a pre-dead hooker under the bed? No. Exactly. Like, we could do it super on the cheap, um, but we'd probably walk away with a venereal disease. Uh, yes, whether we, yeah, just by lying on the bed. So as a result, 10 grand is our goal, and we've got a GoFundMe campaign on the go at the moment. And guess how much we've raised so far? I think we had $125 two weeks ago, so the answer today is... 225 bucks. <laughs> All right. So what will that buy us? Okay, we can now afford the cab ride for you and me and the producer to the airport. Yes. We, we don't even have the plane tickets yet. No. We are at the airport. So, so far we've got three team members, me, you, and our ace producer, Vanessa Azoli. And I am responsible for raising all 225 bucks. Okay. Uh, the donors, we want to say thank you very much to uh, Craig Schlegel Milk. That's the guy I met. Yes. That's the guy I met I out, uh, out west. He, yes. He, he sent a message saying, thank you very much. And thank you again for totally butchering my name yet again. <laughs> um, I was pronouncing Craig Schlegel Milch, but it's not. It's Schlegel Milk. Okay. So, so thank now, you very much. Now we've both been dressed down for this. Yeah. Um, he donated a hundred bucks. Oh, did he? Well, thank you, Craig. Yeah. Rob Rimmer or Puff Rimmer. Another name that clearly I can't pronounce. Donated okay. 50 bucks. And Tim Heron also donated 50 bucks, writing, I donated as I love the podcast. I like the banter. And hopefully what happens in Vegas will not stay totally in Vegas. Well, no, it won't. It can't because we're going to be documenting just about everything. Yeah. And Mar Matthew Bartram uh, also donated 25 bucks about a month ago when we first launched the whole thing. He was the very first to do so. He writes, I like the show and the hosts have grown up learning so much about music from Alan Cross. Oh, also very nice. Thank you. You old man. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that was my part at the end. No, no, it's, it's, listen, um, I've run into that a lot lately, so. Yeah, we, we, we with all of the parts uh, out of warranty now, uh, I, I suppose, you know, here's, here's my theory. You're not old until people stop making fun of how old you are. This is probably true, uh, and we can rebuild him. Oh boy, there was a really old uh, reference there, wasn't it? There's your Six Million Dollar Man reference. Weren't yeah. they talking about remaking the Six Million Dollar Man? Yeah, talked about that a couple of episodes ago. I hated the show. The book was good, but I hated Why the show. Why did you hate the show? I didn't like the Lee Majors. And I hated the the, 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 the the cheap slow motion special effects. The slow motion running high speed? Yeah. Billion dollar man. I guess there's been a little bit of inflation between 1976 and, and 2020. Have you seen the schedule of charges at an American hospital? Absolutely. $60 million to get you an appendix removed. Yes, exactly. Mark Wahlberg is the man behind it. 
he is oh. going to be the new Lee Majors. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah. Um, uh, Damien Sisfron departed as the director. I don't even know who that is. No. Uh, but uh, Warner Brothers bought the rights to the project late last year from the Weinstein Company, <clears throat> uh-huh. which has been developing the movie. Uh, best known, uh, the guy who apparently did Argentinian drama Wild Tales. Uh, don't know it. Yeah, I, but then I, was, I don't know anything about movies. I was watching uh, a thing about the, the Marvel Comics universe and how the MCU has managed to maintain such freshness, even though they put out like three Marvel movies a year. Mm-hmm. And it has everything to do with hiring directors who aren't common to the genre that they'll be doing. Like, for example, you may notice that the Spider-Man movies all tend to be um, a certain type of movie. They're, they're like coming-of-age movies. The Ant-Man movies are heist movies. And so they, they hire directors who don't have anything to do with comic books or action movies and hire them for what they do best, like heist movies and coming-of-age movies. Oh, all right. Maybe this guy from Argentina who was supposed to come on board was going to give it a nice, fresh uh, view. But uh, now uh, it's all up in the air. Can I make a recommendation? Speaking of of superheroes, Mm. have you got Amazon Prime on TV? I I do. Uh, The Boys. I started to watch it, and I was kind of hoping it'd be something that my kid and I could watch. No, 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 no. Yeah, as soon as the trailer hit, my daughter at 13 was like, yeah, I don't think so. You need to put aside some private time for you. And watch this. Well, that's why I got that uh, IoT device from Tindy. Good. That would be appropriate use for it. <laughs> it, it. Great writing, filthy, funny, and I don't like superhero movies. I'm so burned out on them. But yeah, me too. this superhero series, I think there's eight episodes, is fantastic. It's gory. It's uh, basically the, the, the thing is that there is a big corporation that controls the superhero industry. And there is a upper level of superheroes called the Seven. And let's just say that they are morally suspect. I'll just leave it at that. The episode one opens with a very loving scene between a, a man and a woman, and she they're holding hands, and she steps off the curb as a superhero comes tearing around the corner and, and basically disintegrates her in his hands. Yeah, so that's A-Train, who is on his way to do something uh, bad. I'll just leave it at that. And he runs right through this woman named Rebecca, leaving her hands and forearms in the hands of her boyfriend. It's uh, That's how you set the stage for this whole thing. Right, and, and that's what I can imagine creates the, the villain-esque nature of the central character, that he's he's just decided he can't deal with the fact that he's just lost his girlfriend but is he a villain well that's the that's the thing yeah yeah i i I get that and i'm looking forward to checking it out as a result but wifey has no interest in it no and um i don't know about you but we generally not watch the glowing rectangle unless it's something we're both interested in and if she has no interest in something then it has to at least be something she can listen to with half an ear while she plays candy crush I've got 40 TVs in the house. Uh, Anybody can watch TV anywhere they want at any time of the day. So at the live show, we're also going to have a food truck service because this bar slash brewery doesn't have its own kitchen, but you're not allowed to have a bar without food. So the neat thing about Black Lab Brewing is they have this 
collection of food truck friends who pull up out front and they actually have the, the, the cooking done out there in the parking lot and they bring it all inside for you. And Mass Viento empanada experts will be there Friday, August 23rd for the live show. Fantastic. I like empanadas. I don't even know what an empanada is. I'm not a food guy. No, you're not. I've seen you eat. Yes. I, we were promised flying cars, robot butlers, and food in pill form. And I've always said the absence of food in pill form is the only one that bothers me. Yeah, I know. You just don't. You're just not a gourmand of any sort. So tell me about that, because uh, this is apparently the GTA's best empanadas. Well, it's, it's a type of uh, Spanish-Mexican food. Uh, it is a, a dumpling-type thing, and uh, once you try one, you'll love it. Well, I'm really looking forward to this. This is going to be a, a real fun experience. Uh, so if you can't join us live on location at uh, Black Lab Brewing, uh, you can certainly join us online because we're going to be live streaming the entire show. We had some people saying, could you not do it on the Facebook, please? I don't have a Facebook account, which in and to itself surprises me. No, not at all, because people are canceling Facebook, and I completely understand that. So we'll do it on uh, YouTube. Yes. We'll do it on Twitter. Yes. Maybe we'll do it on Twitch. Fine, if you want to. <laughs> do, you, do you even know what Twitch is? I do, but I don't bother with it. Yeah, this is for video game fans. Right. You know, people who want to stream their video games. Right. Uh, but I've got a Twitch account, so maybe we'll do it on, on Twitch. We'll, we'll publish, we'll broadcast live on a whole bunch of different mediums. Uh, the one we can't broadcast live on or simulcast on is Facebook. Facebook has a rule which says if you are live streaming on Facebook, you can only live stream on Facebook. You can't simulcast on a competing platform. You're kidding. I didn't know that was a rule. And so if when using the software, when I select Facebook, it's all well and good. But if I try to click any of the others, they go gray. But if I click any of the others, they all are functional except for Facebook. Oh, because well, screw them. Their... Screw you, Mark Zuckerberg. We're going home. Exactly. Um, can we uh, maybe explain why I wasn't here last week or neither were you? Well, we, we officially took the week off, but you had a very big reason for taking the week off. Well, we were planning to do a podcast with Andy Kim, co-writer of Sugar Sugar, on its... 50th anniversary uh, of its release. We're still going to talk to him, by the way. Okay, good, because it's a very good story. But the reason we didn't do it last weekend, not because it was a long weekend, but um, I was an all-inclusive guest of the Ontario Health System. Afraid we're going to have to talk about kidney stones again. Remember how I've been bitching and complaining about this 35-centimeter plastic stent that I had in my kidney? This McDonald's straw that you stuck up there? Uh-huh. So on the 31st of July, after waiting months and months, I finally had an appointment to go and have the damn thing removed. Now, this requires going into a uh, operating room and taking an Ativan or two, and then the surgeon grabbing something called a stent grabber, reaching up... Um, Sorry, threading up through into the nether regions and grabbing the end of the stent and pulling it out. What was that uh, Pornhub thing that you recommended? <laughs> recommended, I think, is a strong word. I, I thought oh, okay. you might want to uh, see that there's a, a whole section of the internet that actually finds that thing arousing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, it's not. Believe me, it is, it is not. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe if you had Helga the sexy nurse. Uh, no, 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 no. You know, and then the lights went dim no. in the in the co-share room that you had with the old man beside you. Wouldn't stop farting and burping. No circumstances. Uh, no. So let's get to it. All right, fine. Uh, so after rummaging around in there for a while, he says, "Uh, it's stuck. I can't torture you here anymore. So what we're gonna have to do 
is schedule a situation where you are put under general anesthetic. We laser it all out and we bring it out that way and go, great, when are we going to do that? He says, no, I'm going on vacation in three hours. What? (laughs) He was wearing his fishing boots. So after going back and forth with a bunch of receptionists, we finally determined that the best thing for me to do is to present myself at a hospital in uh, Hamilton at St. Joseph's Hospital, present myself at emergency, talk to the urologist on call who will communicate with the surgeon who's going to do this procedure on the 16th of September, and they will admit me and perform the procedure as uh, an emergency outpatient thing. <laughs> Wait a minute. So basically, you've got to walk in... And it's a variation of the guy who has no idea how he got a light bulb stuck up his butt. You've just got to go, hey, I got this thing up here. You think you can help me out with it? Pretty much. Wow. So I, we go to emergency. I have triage. Uh, I talk to the urology at, uh, resident who has talked to the surgeon. He says, no problem. We're going to admit you. And you just got to wait until a, an operating room becomes available. Fantastic. Not a problem. But, he says, this is a holiday weekend. We've had some funding cuts. Uh, you know, and you're a third level priority. You know, number one is people who are going to die any second. Number two are people who are going to die in a couple of days. And then number three is everybody after that. So I was. Number three, people with straws up their hoo-hoos. I finally got in Monday. This is holiday Monday at around uh, 1 o'clock, 1.30. And I was home by four. I mean, that's how quick my, my little procedure was. But uh, like I said, I was a, a guest, you know, and I was hooked up to an IV the entire time. It wasn't a lot of fun. It really wasn't. It was, it was you know, the nurses were great, but uh, the doctors would come in and say, maybe today, maybe today. And I said, what today? I said, if you're not going to do this yourself, give me a letter opener, a pair of needle nose pliers, and I'm doing it myself. So you've got this thing out of you now. I had it exchanged. I have another one in there. Got it exchanged. This is a terrible warranty program. This it really is. Uh, At this event we had last night, uh, I was recounting the story because somebody from the health ministry was actually at the party, and uh, we decided that together with everything that I've collected so far, we should auction everything off for charity. Oh, isn't didn't William Shatner do that with a a gallstone or something? No. it was a kidney stone, and he built a woman's shelter in New Orleans with it. Wow, that's a massive kidney stone. Uh, it's William Shatner. <laughs> Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Or stream us live at geeksandbeats.com. Support the show on Patreon, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for a daily dose of the world's most popular podcasts with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.